Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm John Tortorella with my co-hosts Brennan Capizello and Justin Ray. And today we'll be discussing a good amount of crazy stuff. The dunk contest has been saved. All-Star Weekends. But we're also going to talk about the NFL in this episode, covering the Bengals and the Browns off-seasons. What we expect, what we want to see them do. All of the commanders hiring Eric Bieniemy. That was an interesting move. And the NBA's overuse issue, which Brennan and I talked about a little bit on episode number 75. But today is episode number 77. How are you guys doing today? Feeling Sunday, man. Ooh, I just miss football. Sunday. Thank God we're not doing that, that thing anymore. All right. Sunday, Sunday. No, 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 no. I, shouldn't I, I shouldn't miss football. Oh, yeah, we miss football. Oh, we watch, watch the XFL. Did it start? It did. It started yesterday. Martavis Bryant caught his first ball. Martavis Bryant playing? Martavis Bryant. On the Vipers. Then we've got Josh Gordon in the mix. Uh, McCarron from Alabama. Yeah. Yo, what a, we could have a whole episode about what could have been. Josh Gordon, dude. You talk about Ooh. what could have been. Martavis Bryant was one of the best number twos in the game. Mm-hmm. Gordon was one of the best number ones for that one season. He freaking lit the world on fire. I remember when he beat up on Aqib Tlaib for the New England Patriots. Oh, my yeah. God. So bad. And the thing is, I think his quarterback that day, was, wasn't it Jason Campbell? No, it was Brandon Whedon. No, in, in New England. I don't know. It's one of the guys. I think Jason Campbell was playing quarterback that day. Yeah. Josh Gordon, 2013, 118 yards a game, 1,700 yards on the year. He had like 13, 14 touchdowns? On a four win Browns team, uh, nine touchdowns. His quarterback was Whitten. No, it was Jason Campbell and Whitten. The duality of the two. Jason Campbell, Oakland Raider. Justin. We got to see Jericho Sims in the dunk contest, but it, it wasn't him stealing the show as this, you know, Uh-oh. let's make me look like snow. Come on, light. <laughs> Mac McClung yesterday stole the show in Salt Lake City, winning the dunk contest with four dunks, two of which, three of which maybe, were really unique, never been done before, and the last one put an emphatic statement on the show was done. After two years, one year especially last season, where the dunk contest was almost unwatchable, we have now gotten to a uh, a point where there's some hope here. Justin, what do you think yesterday? Jericho Simpson done contest. You, you know what makes me laugh? So us Nick fans, we try our best to make hope out of everything. You know, we'll, we'll vouch for our guys. And I saw on Twitter yesterday, there wasn't many Nick fans trying to fight for, for Jericho to get 50. We were just like, it's okay, Jericho. We still love you. Like, <laughs> it's all right. He definitely did not break down the walls and... uh like I expected him to. I was expecting him to be a high flying, which he did. He got up pretty high, which is impressive, sure. But I mean, no 360, no windmill, no. Well, don't, don't you want to see the armpits instead? No. <laughs> John's the armpit guy. Uh, I, I did not want to see anything like that. Uh, is it? I was, is it? I was very disappointed. Isn't Obi Toppin a really good dunker? Yeah, and champion. And champ, yep. Should have been a two time champ, but. But, oh, he he competed in the dunk contest. Last two years. Oh, okay. Um, I don't follow the dunk contest. It's not. No, like... Nor do I. You know, when I when I was younger, I used to get super excited for the dunk contest. Now it's just whatever to me. Tell us what you told us. Told the our fellows what you told us before the show. What that Jericho did not break down the walls. <laughs> I for people that don't know, that's a wrestling reference. But yeah, that, it was disappointing, man. And like I said, 
I am not going to, I'm not one that really wants to sit down and watch the NBA all-star festivities. I think they're terrible. I think the MLB does a way better job than any sport when it comes to their all-star stuff, even the NHL. Football and basketball have only grown to the all-star weekend has become so stale. Until you get to watch Trillis Randall, of course, the three-point. Oh, yeah, that was another one. But there was, did you see the picture of his son, like, looking like... Oh, I saw it. <laughs> How bad did he do? It's 13. Well, didn't Kevin Herter have eight? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Julius Randall stunk it up, airballs his money shot from the corner. Kevin Herter goes next and goes, watch this. <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> makes like four of 20 attempts. <laughs> what the hell, It's man. cold as me on the couch. Hold my beer. They should have had Quentin Grimes in that. Quentin Grimes lit up the rise. No, 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 no. Quentin Grimes, no. They should have had Contavious Caldwell Pope with this year shooting 45% from deep. But the reason they had Julius in is because they won volume shooters, which Randall is this season, but he's also a career 33% guy. Did you guys see what Evan Fournier tweeted about Julius Randall? Oh, my gosh. You guys are going to love this. Let me pull it up for you. <laughs> you know, as much as he doesn't play as for the Knicks anymore, really, he's occasionally out there he's a he's a funny dude he's become he's a fan favorite so he said this if you had a little bit more time and allowed Drew to jab a couple times before his shots he's winning this shit <laughs> love that that's a good one yeah but no they did the, the all-star break is just not so let's build the perfect all-star break next year in the dunk contest who do you guys want to see uh... I mean, defending champ. Oh, he's coming back. Jaw, because the Jaw. If Zion is healthy, I'd love to see Zion. Luca barely stay on the court for his team. That's why I said if he's healthy. Um, Obi. I guess Uh, I'm thinking of. I want. I want like because I hear all the old heads. I remember I hearing all the old heads talk about back in the day, even in the 2000s. Just the superstar players competing. That's why I'm thinking of superstar names. Like, no disrespect to Obi and Mac and and the, uh, these young guys, but I want. That's why I named Ja and Zion. Like, I want to see these superstars, and I, I I do. I don't want to put too much blame on LeBron, but I feel like it did kind of. He's the last. He was the first superstar megastar that just didn't do it, and it kind of was a big letdown for a lot of fans because I know a lot of fans wanted him, and he promised it a couple of different times, and just. Never did it, and so, and he had ample opportunity to do it. Like from 03 to two thousand nine, two thousand ten, he could have done it at any point in time. Instead, we got Birdman. Yeah. If you don't, if you guys don't know, I like was, no, I know Birdman. Birdman was on Miami, dude. I well, no, Birdman. I'm saying yeah. that was infamously one of the worst dunk contests, and wow. I forget what year it was. But my perfect dunk contest is number one, Mac McClung, because we watched twenty twenty with Derek Jones Jr. And Aaron Gordon, you don't have to be a superstar to make a show. Second, Shane Sharp. He backed out, allowing Jericho Sims to, to come in, unfortunately. The third yeah, would be John Moran. I want to see John. And the last one, I'd want Aaron Gordon coming back. He's a year or two years older now. Or actually, he's going to be three years older by next year. But having him come in against those three guys, to me, would be the perfect event. you got to have Obi in there. No, he already won. And last year was not impressive. So who are so who are uh, like, won his first year when it was 40s. impressive? So like na- name me some besides Ja and Zion. Who are the superstar players that are elite dunkers that you would want to see? Giannis. 
But yeah, I respect that, Giannis. Anybody else? Can't think of any. Like I said, I don't. I'll be honest with you, I do not care about NBA. Yeah, but I think you would. I think you would care if there were elite guys. Yeah, like, sure. If, if, Giannis, LeBron is, Zion, if LeBron is in there, guys, you already got Donovan. When, I'm, when I'm seeing names like the ones that they have year after year. That's what I'm saying. Guys that are barely 12 men on, on rosters or, yeah. or two-way contracts like Mac. Yeah. McClung. I, and, and as impressive as Mac McClung is, that's, that's not the, it's NBA all-star weekend. I want to see the all-stars. That's why Justin, that's yeah, I'm what I'm bringing you. to I'm the table. percent. If you want to fix the all the dunk contest, you got to put the elite superstars in there. Yeah. It's just unfortunate because uh, I don't think it'll, it'll happen. I, I do think they, I don't know if they view it as what is it? Do the stars view it as an injury risk or there's that, there's that, lose. and the fact that I, I do believe there is some credence to LeBron not doing it and them looking at well, LeBron didn't do it, so why do I have to do it? Why should I? That's I do think there's a little bit of that. I think they just want to rest and enjoy the show. And so, yeah, that's where I'm that's yeah. their one week break. And uh, if the competition's not great, it's going to be less interesting. But now that Mac McClellan has come in as, like Brandon said, a two-way player and done so well, he may be open up the doors for some NBA players to challenge him. And all of a sudden, now the competition pool gets better. And in 2020, not only you have DJJ and Aaron Gordon, but Pat Connaughton could get up too for a white guy. And this year with Mac McClellan, uh, that was probably one of, in my time as NBA fan, the best performances I've seen. That was, for me, 350s and a 49, so... John, are you saying white men can jump then? You know, most uh, most can't, but some can. I, 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 I can't. I can't get off of the Well, then again, I'm not white. I'm yeah, that's what we're saying. I, I can't really, especially after spraining my ankle three times. My hops went from really low to even freaking. <laughs> we stay grounded around here. Yeah, I stay grounded. I like the ground, though. It's safe. Shoot a shoot, shoot. Yeah, shoot a shoot. Yeah, everyone but <laughs> Kevin Herter. <laughs> so you know what i would do all right this is this is crazy this is one thing that i've always loved about baseball and they took it away from baseball when it came to the all-star game and i always hated it people played because there was something on the line it's not just money back back in the day when i was younger wow that makes me feel so old um back in my days they had the uh the all-star game actually meant something it was home field advantage for the world series so if the National League won, whoever's the representative of the National League gets home field advantage for game ones and game two. I think that that is incredible. I mean, the weight of that, a game, can, a series can be swung on those, just those first two games at, in somebody's home court or home field, you know? I would love to see something like that. Maybe they play with more fire and more competitiveness and not just turn it up in the fourth quarter, you know? I think that'd be a great idea for the all because there'll be yeah because there'll be people that are actually playing with something on the line, you know. Yeah, I just think I think that they would find a way to get around it where they they wouldn't because there's also the double edged sword. Like, yes, I agree with you, that's really cool, but then it kind of gets into the like, all right, so why really chase the number one seed in my conference if you know I'm not going to get the we're not even going to get home field advantage. But then the double-edged sword to that argument is, well, you can get home field advantage for your conference, you know, throughout the playoffs. Yeah. But it's the double-edged sword, like, oh, okay, well, I get it for that. But then when I go to the finals, I'm, I, I, my record means nothing because yeah. we lost in the All-Star break. Yeah. 
I guess that that, that is true. It's a slippery slope. It could go either way. Entertainment purposes, I would just love it. Yeah, I just think that I think that it's going to be what it is uh, because they just don't want to risk the injuries. Mm-hmm. That's really what I think. You know, like they'll t- they turned it up in like the last two minutes, maybe of the game, three, five minutes, maybe at latest. Uh, but even then, they're still you know it's not like insanely like they're still like yeah. they're going maybe seventy percent at most maybe. And by the way, uh, I agree with you guys there. Dame Lillard took home a trophy, three-point champ. There you go. Who was competing in that one? It was uh, Randall, uh, Hooter, Carter. Lillard. Who else? So the finalists were Halliburton, who had a monster 31 points in the first round, Buddy Heald, and Dame. We also had Tyler Hero. I thought Hero was going to win. I was wrong. Jason Tatum and uh, one or two other guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. So were uh, Randall and Herder the, the bottom two? Yes. Where did Hero, Hero land? Uh, definitely not as low as them, so. Hopefully. Oh yeah, can we? So we we gotta also mention, yo, know, Drew Holiday's uh skills challenge performance. Let's not talk about that. And and you're telling me this guy was an all star over Jalen Brunson? I'm sorry, that's it. I just wanted to voice that frustration. What do you do? Not good. Not no, good. It was ugly. Yeah. I didn't watch half of it, so. And some floaters. Jalen Brunson would have been an assassin in it. Floater's mm-hmm. now part of, uh, unfortunately, Drew's repertoire. Yeah. He's a defense guy. And yeah, mostly. So now we're going to get, switch gears back to the NFL and then come back to the NBA a little bit at the end of the episode for an overused topic. Would you guys like to discuss our offseason preview first or the big-time news, I guess, in Washington, Eric Bieniemy? Talk about Eric Bieniemy. So the commanders have hired <laughs> The commanders have hired Eric Bieniemy as their head coach, or assistant head coach, and offensive coordinator. And keep in mind, you know, usually for coordinators that go to five straight AFC championship games and win two Super Bowls, they get head coaching opportunities. In Kansas City, Doug Peterson did. Currently, they have Matt Nagy, who's their quarterback's coach, likely to be promoted. And Bieniemy is the one guy who, clearly, after getting 16 head coaching interviews and not landing one job, NFL teams do not seem to believe him as a potential head coach. Now he goes to Washington. What do you guys think about this hire? Justin, I'm going to start off with you. Do you think Eric Bannon can be the right offensive coordinator to make Sam Howell a star? But the sad thing is he shouldn't be having to go through another offensive coordinator job to prove his worth. If I'm him, my resume is I have two Super Bowls and a couple trips to the AFC Championship game. I was the OC with Patrick Mahomes. So I, I think his, his resume speaks for itself. Uh, I don't know what's going on in those interview processes, but you cannot tell me that there hasn't been one team over the last couple of years that wouldn't have benefited from having Eric Bieniemy as their head coach. You know, I, I look at teams like uh, Jacksonville, even though they, they struck gold with, uh, with Doug Peterson, but teams like the Chargers that, wow, you could have elevated your quarterback's game immensely by putting this guy there or Denver how much better they probably would have been if Russell Wilson would have had an offensive mind like that. You know, there's so many teams that you can go on and on and about, and I'm sure that he'll do just fine in Washington. I mean, it'll be, it won't be, you know, as easy as it is coaching Patrick Mahomes because now you're going into a season with Sam Howell, uh, but you still got weapons there. You got Scary Terry and all of them. So 
uh, he'll definitely have a lot to work with, but he shouldn't have to go through an, another OC job. And while I think the title comes with OC and assistant head coach, um, even then the guy should be a head coach in the league already. So I'm kind of not happy about it, but I just, uh, I'm rooting for his success. Some team needs to see his worth. So what I'm going to say about this topic is, uh, again, I agree with Justin. I don't know what's going on in those interviews. Uh, John alluded to, I think he said 16. Listen, man, you got 16 interviews. I feel like common denominator there is maybe you're not interviewing well. Maybe you're not coming off well. Again, I don't know. This is all pure speculation. The other thing that people have been talking about is that Andy Reid is the main reason that Eric Bieniemy has not gotten a head coaching job. And the the reason why, it's because everybody knows it's kind of Andy Reid's show. It is. Runs the offense, yes. And he's made it very clear that he does call plays and certain plays and all that stuff. So that that's really probably Eric Bieniemy's biggest downfall is that he had he was under Andy Reid. Now he's – and Justin, you asked, why do I have to approve myself in another – position another offensive coordinator position and i think that's the exact reason because the people don't believe that it's you running the show you're just calling andy's plays and then andy will, can over overturn you at any point and and listen i agree i i do kind of agree with that I, i've always come from the the point of view where if you're under a certain like let's say a bill belichick whoever's calling defense or, or uh, Andy Reid, Sean Payton, um, Sean McVay, Kyle Shannon, all those, you know, elite guys who specialize in one area. The coordinator, I'm like, what, do you really do anything? Like, I, I really do question because it, they really do run the show, those head head coaches guys. So that's where my weary is about Eric Bieniemy. So now, yes, he does have to go prove himself in Washington, Justin. He's got to go over there. He's got to show no Andy Reid anymore. Ron Rivera is a defensive guy. He's going to control the defense. So it is Eric Bieniemy's offense. That is him. And he's also the assistant head coach now. It's him. So again, there might be speculation. If they start off really bad, Ron Rivera gets the boot. And mm-hmm. guess what? Eric Bieniemy gets promoted as interim head coach. And now you really got the show. And now you really got to show what you can do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's that, that's where I come from on that. It, it, he has to he has to now prove it in another situation. It's going to be a little bit more difficult. Obviously, he doesn't have Mahomes, but like you said, Justin, he's got the weapons. Terry, Antonio Gibson, uh, the running back, that guy, uh, Brian Robinson, right? Uh, they got a good tight end. Logan Thomas, Curtis Samuel from the uh, Panthers. So they got a good roster. The defense is pretty good. Hopefully, Chase Young is fully healthy coming into next season. He can be a game changer. So, you know, let's rock and roll, Eric Bieniemy. This is your time to shine. You do got to show that. Listen, I can do it without Andy Reid. It's yeah, just, I mean, you know, I think Urban Meyer, Cliff Kingsbury, Nathaniel Hackett. 100%. 100%. Coaches, like, I, know, like, I get it. It, it, it doesn't <laughs> stack up. And and then also at the same time, this is not to go against your point. It's just a question to the both of you guys. Do we know, uh, has there been a head coach or a former, you know, OC that has gotten a head coaching job that hadn't previously called plays? Mike McDaniel. So Miami, Mike hmm. McDaniel, Adam Gase. I don't remember. But... Um, name me some uh, people under the Shanahan offense. Uh, people under the Sean McVay offense. If those guys got hired, offensive guys. 
can't name them right now. Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel didn't call the offense. Kyle yeah. Shannon was calling the offense. And yeah. He got the coaching job. Uh, but you, you are 100% right. The Cliff Kingsbury of the world, the the the, the Hackett's, the um, uh, the other guy you named them. Urban me. Meyer. Urban, Urban Meyer. Zach Taylor. You know, you, yeah, you do know why those guys got the jobs. Not Zach Taylor much, but those three guys. They had connections. Hackett, Broncos thought they were getting Rodgers. They jumped the gun, and they were stuck with Hackett. They, they That was a stupid move on them. Cliff Kingsbury, he had the connection with Colin Murray. He had no track record in Texas Tech to prove that he was a head coach. He just had the connection. We all know in in the world of what in the world of, of of this thing we call life, right? Connections do mean a lot. It's Network not what you know; it's who. Yeah. Yep, and so that's what it is. And and listen, you can complain about it till the cows come home. It's not going to change. Mm-hmm. It should it a hundred percent, but yeah, I think Eric Bieniemy is more than deserving. You don't need me to tell you that to think that. You look at Matt Nagy after one year, not calling plays the Chiefs OC. He was going to Chicago, and he had two playoff years, winning the NFC North in his first year in Chi-Town, or I guess Windy City. Bieniemy has been passed up twice for the Jets' job, and 16 total franchises, half the league. He's been looked at as a little more of maybe an abrasive personality to work with, okay, maybe he has some clashes from the homes, but you look at all the coordinators getting opportunities. Jonathan Gannon going to the Cardinals, or better yet, the Colts hiring uh, Shane Steichen, I look at a, a coordinator who has, since coming in, in Patrick Mahomes' rookie season, only maintained the success that the previous coordinators established. And the Super Bowl this year, the guy put on a master class. He was the one noting that the Eagles overplayed on the jet sweep, and next thing you know, you have Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony touchdowns. I think he has more than proven himself. And like Brandon alluded to in Washington, outside of ownership, Washington is a pretty good place, I think, for a new head coach because... After next season, I think it's going to take Chase a year. The defense should be a lot better, and the offense should have all the tools to win at a high level. So you look at coaches in the, you know, let's be honest, on the hot seat, Ron Rivera is one of the top names, has yet to have a winning season in Washington in three years. So now you look at Sam Howell's development. If he starts to take some steps next year where they're not winning games midseason, Rivera might be the first guy who is out the door. And if that's the case, the enemy now for a second half of the season gets to show what he can do in a place in Washington that hasn't had that coaching consistency. So I thought that for him, the, uh, the reason why in part is because he's been in Kansas City for the last decade, but outside of, I think it was Colorado as the offensive coordinator two years before, and the Vikings, where he worked with Adrian Peterson, by the way, he had never been any other organizations. For a lot of coaches, it's not only who you know, but it's how many different teams he worked with, how many different offenses. So for the enemy, getting his feet wet in a new opportunity, new setting away from Patrick Holmes, going to show what he can do. I thought for him this is probably the best way to eventually become a head coach next season. And, I mean, Jonathan Gann, I think, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that hire for the Cardinals, per se. I think Biennemi is more qualified to coordinator, if you ask me. You know, this could play out kind of like it did in Cleveland, where, you know, if Sam Howell does perform well and this Washington offense does look good, uh, Washington is going to be posed with uh, this this thing where they're going to have to choose between Biennemi or Ron Rivera, because if he does go out there and does show that he can create a good offense there in Washington, teams are going to be prying to take him away, you know? So we might have a little Freddie Kitchen situation on our hands. That would be interesting. Perhaps. Now, moving on to our off-season preview. Let's start off with the team that actually did something this year, and the Cincinnati Bengals. So the Bengals had themselves a pretty strong 
2022 season. Coming off a year where they went to the AFC chart, not only the AFC championship, even the Super Bowl, most people thought the Bengals would take a step back, see that Super Bowl hangover. And they started off slow early. But by the end of the season, they rallied the troops, finished with 12 wins, 12-4 and record, and won the AFC North for a second straight season. They would go on to the AFC Championship game where they would lose to the Chiefs 20-23. But now this offseason, there are some big-time questions in Cincinnati. The pending for agencies of Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Eli Apple, and the soon-to-be extensions of T. Higgins and Joe Burrow. I want to start with you guys. I start with you, BC. For Cincinnati, what do you think is the end goal for this team in the offseason? What is your immediate takeaway from the season? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, by literal definition, they did take a step back, but by no means should they really look at it as a complete failure. Um, they were like one terrible mistake by uh, uh, one of their defensive players from going into um, winning the game or going into overtime, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they shouldn't feel bad. But going into this se- this offseason for them, they got some tough decisions to make, right? John listed uh, the names that they've got for free agents. Joe Burrow's got to get his contract extension. I've heard uh, from a multitude of people that, you know, Cincinnati is historically known as a very cheap franchise. They don't like to uh, – Guarantee contracts yeah, after the yeah, first year. Yeah. Or just give – yeah, give the money. Um, they have to give the money, Joe Burrow, right? It, it's just – you don't do that, then the NFL should really – Roger Goodell should come to you and be like, all right, you got to go as owners and we got to bring people in there in here that are actually willing to, you know, spend and, and try and win. But I 100% believe Joe Burrow is going to get his money. He's going to get the contract extension. Now it just comes down to how much money he got left over, you know, and where do you put those assets towards? Do you pay the T. Higgins? Well, if you pay T. Higgins, you're probably not going to be able to keep many of those defensive players that you named, Jesse Bates, Eli Apple, and, and uh, et cetera. But then you got to remember this. Next offseason, guess who else is coming up? Jamar Chase. And he's going to want – even more than what T's getting. He's probably going to get 20, 25 million a year or demand that at least. Can you pay that? So I think T Higgins is probably going to be on his way out. I just don't think that they can afford that looking at Jamar Chase down the line. Unless they say, which this could be a possibility, they say, we're going to get rid of Jamar for next year. He's not going to be our team, and we're going to pay T, and T is going to be our number one. That could be a thing. I know people might freak out for me saying that, but that could be a thing where they just say, listen, we get T on a little cheaper contract. He's, We think he can be a number one, and we can you know, maybe trade Ch- Jamar in the middle of the season next year or this all- upcoming year and get a good draft stock so we don't lose him for nothing. I don't think that's the case. I think they let T Higgins walk away. I think they pay Jamar Chase next year and Joe Burrow. And then, you know, wherever their leftover money is, which is probably not going to be a lot, you know, fit into other places. So it's going to be very interesting where Cincinnati, what Cincinnati's teams looks like going into the preseason, because I'm, I'm going to be very fascinated on where, where the money is put, where the money is spent. And if the money is spent by a quote unquote, historically cheap franchise. You know, when I look at the Bengals and you mentioned you have everything that I, I would have pointed out, the big question is it comes down to who are they going to pay? Because obviously 
you know, you can't sustain this group. Everybody, the window to winning a Super Bowl is just is so small. They can close on you in a second. But as long as you got a guy like Joe Burrow up there, I still feel like the window is always going to be open at least an inch. So T. Higgins, to me, is the obvious guy that um, has to be gone here. I think you sign him, you deal him, you, you get some picks out of it, at, at least accrue some sort of value. You, you can't just let him walk away just just because he signed elsewhere and you don't get nothing out of it. So I, I think that's the more obvious thing. And it's sad because you look at teams, I think there's only three teams in the NFL that I can say with absolute confidence have two number one wide receivers on their team. And that's Miami, Miami with Waddle and Tyreek Hill, Philadelphia with Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, and then Cincinnati here with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Uh, there's a lot of teams that I think would be uh, real big suitors for a guy like T. Higgins. Our Patriots are one of them, you know. So I'd say even even the Jets might want to go go after a yes. guy like that. The, the Giants might want a guy like that. So there'll be plenty of suitors out there. You can get draft capital. You can find yourself another complimentary receiver i'm not going to say that you could just pull a t higgins out of the draft i don't want to disrespect his talent those people just don't you know grow on trees but there is talented wide wide receivers out there that will complement your offense and fit in perfectly with joe burrow and i think you can find that i think you can find a good number two a good number three to to make that work but yeah i think t higgins the one is out the door jamar chase seems to be on a, a level Unlike many other, I'd say talent-wise, top two, type top three wide receivers in the game. You can't let that go. There's a lot of talk about the Bengals having to move one of Jamar Chase or T. Higgins, but you they might they, not be able on. to afford any of them. Mm. They might not be able to afford either of them. The Bengals have $34 million in cap space this offseason. Joe Burrow is eligible for a $45 million contract extension or more. So if you do the math right there, you're already... <laughs> out of money. Jamar Chase is a $25 million receiver. Wigan, Wiggins. Higgins is a $20 million player. So there's a there's a case here with all this non-guaranteed money tied up to those offensive linemen they signed a year ago that they can't afford either of them without having to gut their offensive line, maybe some pieces of that defense. Jesse Bates is gone, and Von Bell may as well be too. That's part of the reason why they went deep into the draft going after guys like Cam Taylor Britt in the first couple of rounds. Britt played very well for them in the second half of the season. But there's still some good news in Cincinnati, and it's that their defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumo, is staying. He interviewed for the Cardinals job and did not get it, and if I were a Bengal fan, boy, would I be happy. Lou Anarumo, Lou Anarumo is one of, if not the best defensive coordinator in football, and even if you are depleted in that secondary, I believe with how good of a job he's done through two years with the team, he can still have this being a top 10 defense that is at the level it needs to be. So Bates is gone. Bell, more likely than not, is gone. I think they can extend Apple because his market value won't be through the roof. And after that, you're looking at this offense and saying, Higgins is most likely going to be traded this offseason. There's no other way of putting it. You need to maximize the value of a top 15, top 20 receiver if you know you're not going to be able to pay him. And give him, give him he has one more year left on the deal. I'm looking at a team like the Giants that is wide receiver needy or the Patriots, and I'm probably getting a first-round pick for him because it's hard to just nail a receiver in the draft for franchises like that. After that, the question becomes, how do we make the money work to actually keep Chase long-term? That's going to be the million-dollar question with this team because I'm, I'm really not sure how. I will say this. 
in terms of that point, John, how? I know there's a salary cap, right? But these owners have a way of manipulating the cap. So when there's a will, there is a way. And if they really want to keep Chase, they can keep Chase. It's just about the want to. Are they willing to pay a little extra money? That's a, that's something in Cincinnati that was a, a question, definitely, in years past. Oh, yeah. With, you know, not the most fruitful spending, let's say. But in recent years, as Brown's daughter has taken more and more of a role in the organization, they have spent a little bit more. So for Bengal fans, that's some other good news, too. You're not necessarily the same, I guess you would say, kind of cheap franchise that you were in years past. Hopefully. But some of those traditions are still there, right? They don't guarantee contracts for non-quarterbacks after their first season. And that's why for guys like Lyle Collins, Alex Kappa, that they've brought in, you know, they had some injuries this year. You do wonder long-term if they're actually going to use those as cut candidates to then clear cap space or actually keep some of them long-term. So now in the draft, you really have to hone in on the offensive line. They did spend, uh, what was it? I think either over $100 million or right at $100 million on the offensive line. So a lot of money, but, and it was doing good up until the injury started to just take a toll. So, And you know when football, Joe Burrow said that the Bengals Super Bowl window is not going to close so long as he's in the fold, but we know of rookie quarterbacks, the window is two or three years. Justin talked about it before, Tua. The Dolphins are two elite receivers, case making nothing. Same thing with the Bengals. Once you pay that elite quarterback, you can't keep both and then have a good team around them. It's basically impossible in today's day and age if that quarterback's going to make $45 million. But that's why you have Joe Burrow in the mix. Burrow, last, this last season, established himself as a top two or three quarterback. And this is coming off appendicitis where he had to get surgery weeks before the season, the year before he was coming off a torn ACL. We have reached a point in Joe Burrow where the only quarterback in the NFL better than him is Patrick Mahomes, arguably the best quarterback we've seen down off the cleats. So considering that for the Bengals, we can talk ad nauseum about maybe the concerns of the health of the offensive line and maybe Jamar Chase staying, but you still have Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins staying, and you do have one of the better defenses in the NFL. There's no other way to put it, but Joe Burrow, you're going to be a top three team in the AFC because of how damn good of a player he is. He's not necessarily Mahomes, but he's not that far off. And having a quarterback that can go toe-to-toe with Patty, even when the offensive line is as banged up as it was this last year, and in spite of, let's say, Joe Mixon not having the season he would have liked, is a clear sign since he, that this last year and the year before in 2021 might just be a beginning. I don't think Burrow's going to be a, let's say, Dan Marino that gets to the Super Bowl and doesn't get back, because he has shown... To turn around a franchise that before him was, what, a team that couldn't win a playoff game in 25 years. And now that entire aura has flipped on his head because the man has five playoff wins, as many as the franchise had before him. Yeah, the, Bengals, the Bengals will be in a, in a fine spot. I, as long as he's under center, I think they'll always have that window open, at least by a crack. Talking about teams that I've never really felt like have had a window open, the Cleveland Browns. I'm so are... mad that you missed my assist earlier, too. Mayor Brandon. You. Because I set you up. I mentioned Freddie Kitchens and the Browns. I threw you the assist. Oh, uh, no, nah, bro. I'll be honest with you. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't pick up on that one. Sorry, <laughs> bro. 
It's all right. I I used to play 2K my player, and that that just reminded me of when I used to try and rack up my assists, and you uh-huh. just, just burgered it for me. They're going to say plus fans, negative team chemistry. <laughs> so the Cleveland Browns went 7-10 and 10 in 2022 with a defense of Joe Woods that really underperformed given the edge rushers. And offense that with Deshaun Watson was not good. Watson was, was pretty poor in the six games he played, as most of us would have probably expected. Uh, only completed 58% of his passes, couldn't amount of turnover early plays, 184 yards a game. But the Browns do have a full offseason for Watson to get more continuity at this core, work off the, the suspension and the layoff for a year and a half, and hopefully return to the form that they paid him to reach. Uh, a 200-plus fully guaranteed million-dollar quarterback. Now, this offseason for Cleveland, their free agents are some pretty big notables. Kareem Hunt, their backup quarterback, who led two game-winning drives, and Jacoby Brissett, Giovanni and Clowney, Deion Jones, Anthony Walker, Chris Hubbard, and Greedy Williams. Looking at Cleveland's current season, Jay Ray, uh, you know, it feels like there's a lot of tension here on their head coach, the former coach of the year, and, you know, maybe get the season not only at the level of playoff winning team, but you have to actually compete in this, a- this AFC. Do you think this Cleveland Brown team will live up to expectations and what can they do this offseason to, to maybe get there? I'll tell you one thing, they better. They absolutely better. Uh, how much you paid that quarterback, knowing that that was a risk. Uh, we don't need to get into uh, the things off the field, but it was a risk and you guys making that trade and you guys had a a guy in Baker Mayfield where he wasn't sure. Maybe he wasn't going to save your franchise anymore. He wasn't. We knew what he was. I, I don't want to offend Brandon, but <laughs> that you, you trade for a guy like Deshaun Watson, who you expect to make a immediate impact, which I even thought that he would make an impact. I, I didn't think he would play on his MVP level, but uh, I thought that they would win some more games with him. I think they finished the season three and three with uh, Deshaun Watson under center. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like they, they really just need to nail this offseason down because now you have pressure. Now you have that quarterback. You, you're paying a guy not to just win you 10 games. No, you're paying this guy to win you a Super Bowl. And not too long ago, he was playing in an AFC title game against Patrick Mahomes when he was in Houston. So It was divisional round. Oh, it was divisional round. My, yep. my bad. So, yep. But they yep. – they were very well on their way to an AFC title game before, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs did their what they normally do. So I, I feel like when, when you look at this Cleveland Browns team, they had so much talent, so much skills on both sides of the ball where, where you felt like, okay, maybe they are just a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl. Maybe if Deshaun Watson was there uh, a year, a year ago and playing football, that they'd be a Super Bowl contender. But at this point, uh, when I when I think about this Browns team, I just feel like they'll always just be not good enough. Not good enough. And it sucks because there's a guy named Nick Chubb who's an absolute stud, probably the best running back to come out of his class. And, and that's saying a lot. I, I just I, – I feel like looking at the Cleveland Browns, if they don't – if the quarterback isn't who he's supposed to be, then they're starting right back at square one. Yeah, I don't believe that he's not going to be what he once was. Uh, I do believe it was just the rust a year and a half off. 
no continuity or do, do you not have any concerns on, on if you know are we going to see mvp deshaun watson again or what concerns would i have did he have a ter- terrible injury well no i'm saying i'm taking that year off and then we saw six games where we never actually saw even flashes of what he used to be yeah which i kind of expected um again coming over off a year and a half off you're you weren't able to even be in the facility for what 10 weeks or so you weren't able to work out with your team or get any continuity whatsoever now he's got the full off season i have no reason to believe that deshaun won't revert back to mvp deshaun watson i he's he's what 26 27 years old there was no injury that we know of that he was dealing with or that was completely hampering him it was just rust in my opinion unless you believe that a 27 year old that was on course to be arguably the best quarterback in the league for years to come just falls off a cliff completely which i don't think we've ever seen before you have no reason to believe he won't go back to that it it, it had to do with huh carson wentz was the one with no that was an injury though that was an injury yeah that was yeah that's the only one I prefaced with an without an injury, um, so for me, Desha- I, 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 there's no way for me to believe. I mean, I guess John, you could say maybe, maybe it is more mental. Maybe he's in his head, and maybe you know he questions his confidence and stuff. But I, I just I don't believe that. So I have no reason to believe he's not going to go back, and I don't think anybody should. It's all about getting the chemistry, the continuity, the consistency. Uh, timing all down with his offense, getting, um, you know, read, reading the playbook, studying the playbook, honing his craft again, and just working out and getting better. That's that's really what it is. So I do believe the, the Cleveland Browns are going to be, I think they have a chance to arguably be the second best team in that division, um, depending on what players uh, uh, Cincinnati loses this offseason they could fight with Cincinnati to win that division I truly do believe that they've got the great running back they still got a pretty damn good offensive line Amari Cooper is a number he's not a he's not like you know that elite number one but he's still a number one wide receiver you get the job done you got David Njoku has finally started to show something uh you got Miles Garrett you got Denzel Ward you got some players on that defense you know you got you got a good uh no wait they traded the first round pick never mind um so, so, you know, you've got some things you can look forward to, and hopefully they retool a little bit in the offseason. And I think it's time, you know, let's get it going. I'm going to be on that bandwagon because I just – I don't see a world where a quarterback who is on that trajectory just completely falls off a cliff with no injury or anything like that. So then I, I got a question. Uh, this is for both of you guys. The state of the Cleveland Browns right now, how do you compare them or where do you rank them in the AFC North compared to a a healthy Baltimore, a healthy Pittsburgh, and a healthy Cincinnati? I think there's a case they're the worst team in the AFC North again next year. And, and the thing is, I, I wouldn't be surprised by it either. I think the AFC North is good. Don't get me wrong. I, yeah, no, Cleveland can, I think Cleveland can be good as well. But like I said, sure. I, I, I just... Maybe I'm too hard on the guy, but I was hoping to at least see some flashes of, you know, that MVP Deshaun. And I get it, six games, sure. But I thought, you know, after a while, they'd they'd start to gel and start to look a little bit more comfortable. And it just never felt – it just never felt like he looked comfortable. 
And I feel like that's unsettling. Uh, that's, and I understand it's a, it's a year off uh, or yeah, a whole season off. And then you miss 10 games going into this season. Yeah. I, I just think it's, it's something to be a little concerned about. It should be when you make him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in NFL history, the only one of 200 plus million dollars guaranteed it's supposed to, because the moment you give Deshaun Watson that contract trading two first round picks to get him, the expectation is Super Bowls mm -hmm. and you sacrifice so much of your cap space and so much of your future spending. You need Deshaun Watson to be a superstar. And if he is anything less, you not only lost that trade, but you just like Justin said in the beginning of this, you reset yourself because now you're tied into a 27 year old that maybe has best years in Houston. But I look at this Browns team and I feel like the biggest issue with them last year was honestly the defensive coordinator and Joe Woods doing that Fangio style scheme, which so clearly did not work for any team that tried it. And now they're bringing in Jim Schwartz coming into DC and it can't get worse than last year. It really cannot. And now you're probably going to move on from Javanian Clowney, who seemed to be a cancer by the end of the season. And with Miles Garrett, if you can get a good DC in here that can scheme up more, I guess, creative numbers advantages, Miles Garrett is a superstar. And he was a player the last couple of years has only gotten better and better in due time. And they have Denzel Ward as well. This Browns defense should be pretty good because of the name value, the superstars. And while Greedy Williams is a free agent, he can play a pretty big role here. That's why you draft the Greg Newsom. You bring in JOK. They have a lot of really good young players here who can take a step forward. I want to, so, in terms of their draft, right, they did give up the first round pick, but they still have all their other picks, two through seven, right? They have the 42nd overall pick, which is actually pretty good. Where do you think that they go with that second round pick? Do you think they go, should they go a receiver or should they go defense? Because O-line, they're pretty damn good. They've still got that damn good O-line. Conklin. Uh, take a step back with Conklin's injuries. I, I know, but I'm projecting health. I, I am projecting health, John. I understand the injury concerns. I, when we're talking about this, we, we have to project health because then we're just going to go down a rabbit hole. Um, they still got a whole Colts went down this last year. Yes, they did. But you know, that's project pr predictions. And then we all fell on that sword, didn't we? Uh, collective, a collective, all three of us just fell down on that. Uh, they still got, uh, Joel Bentonio. They got, um, uh, Willis, Jedrick Willis. So I think O-line, they're pretty good running back. I don't think you have to, I mean, maybe you want to take one in the fifth or sixth round. Uh, but Nick Chubb is still there. You don't need to, you don't, need to take a tight end you got in joku so i think it's either defense or you get maybe a second receiver to uh amari cooper in the second round so where would you guys go if you're the cleveland browns in the second round 42 overall i i think you have to go defense considering how bad their defense was uh, i was just looking at their schedule and i see some of the games where they got absolutely diced up i mean they got diced up by bailey zap so uh yeah that says a lot about how bad their defense is, and Bailey's a solid quarterback in his own right, but I can go to games like the Jets, week two, Joe Flacco come back, should have been a win. Uh, game against the Chargers, they're up, should have been a win, should have beaten the Falcons as well. So many games where the defense did let them down, and Jacoby Brissett managed most of those games uh, very well. So, yeah, I think you're kind of forced to go defense there. Maybe you can find some kind of talent on the outside later in the draft, because I don't know if any of you guys view Donovan Peoples-Jones as the, the perfect number two to be sitting next to Amari Cooper. I love, he did have a good I love season. Donovan. Yeah, so I, he had a good season. But maybe you got to find yourself a good slot guy that, you know, Deshaun can dish it to on, on third and short. 
you know? So maybe when you, you I think they need to get, I think, I think maybe they need to get a speedster. I, I actually strongly disagree with you guys. I think Donovan Peoples Jones is going to be a really. Well, I, I didn't knock him. I said, I don't know if you guys see him as. Okay. A... He, no, I, I believe he's a number three. I think he's a number three. I think he's a pretty damn good number three. I don't think he's a number two. If he is a number two, he's a lower end number two. That's why I said, I think you go get a speedster that can change your offense a little bit. Donovan turned 24 today. And I look at his development through three years. Last year, 140 yards. He is that takeover the top type of player. He adds a lot of new dimension, a lot of verticality to this offense. And to be honest with you guys, I don't think the Browns are going to make any moves to this offense. They're going to lose Kareem Hunt, and it's going to be on Deshaun to lead them. You're not, you're not trying to miss here. You're going to go with the less sexy pick. You're going defensive line with your Jim Sports coming in. You need to have a strong run. St- you need to be able to stop the run at a high level. And the Browns, if they can win on the ground on both sides of the bowl, now for Deshaun, you're taking so much of that pressure off of him from a year ago with the defense that can, number one, getting back on the field sooner, but number two can control games better. Uh, like I said before, the offense is not missing anything really. Now the offensive line is getting older and you can maybe flesh out some of that in due time. You need to improve the defensive front because it's thin. And you, you know, Tim Bryant is a free agent. I, I look at a lot of these players and I say, you need to add a little more depth, inject some potential to that defensive front. And that for the Browns would put them in possession to win the AC North. You asked me the question, Justin, can the Giants, or sorry, can the Browns, you know, where will they rank in the AFC North? And I look at this division, all four teams next year can win it. But the question with Cleveland is if that defense gets better, and then if Deshaun, there's a lot of questions. If Deshaun can be a top 10 quarterback, because if the Browns defense is below 16th in the NFL, it's below average, and Deshaun's not a top 10 guy, they can easily win eight or nine games in a division that has Cincinnati, mm-hmm. Baltimore, who we can all expect to be a pretty good team. They always are. And the Steelers, who for as much as people predict their downfall every single year, they always happen to have a better record than the Browns every single time. We look at the ASU North. It is the best division in football. It is the toughest to win. And for this Cleveland team that has clear Super Bowl expectations, the standard is quite high. That's why I think Kevin Stefanski here could be on the hot seat. If you win less than 10 games, I think he's fired. Thank you, thank you for thank you for bringing that up because I'm still not a believer in Kevin Stefanski. I know you're not a big fan of him. What, what, what exactly is it for you? I don't like the way he handled the Baker situation. I can see that. The way it. the Browns did treat Baker and the way out was not ideal per se because they could have used him in some ways. Now Jacoby said did a fine job. I look at Stefanski and there's there's a lot to prove here because you have to make this work. And if you don't for a second quarterback that was a top 12 pick in the draft and has high-level upside, I don't know what to tell you, but this is an offensive guru. I mean, we should be better than 18th in the league in scoring with him in the fold. So for the Browns, that's another question here. Is Stefanski and his staff good enough? Because you need to hit on your defensive coordinator and your offensive guy. And boy, did he miss with Joe Woods badly. Badly. So for the Browns, I'm a little bit less into them. But I do think if Deshaun gets back to that level, this is a clear candidate to rise up the 12 wins next season. Twelve, 12 wins is, might be a stretch for me. With, 17 uh, games he is. Yeah, I mean, with with the Bengals in that division, I expect too much out of that team. And and the same thing, going into the season, I had Baltimore winning it. I had Baltimore winning the division, and they were, what, two games away? Um. I don't think 
the difference between Baltimore and Cincinnati is is actually that big. I think with a healthy Lamar uh, and his defense clicking, that Baltimore is probably the best team in the North. Cleveland, on the other hand, I feel like has a lot to work on here. And like you said, since uh, Pittsburgh seems to always come out on top when it comes to Cleveland, at least record-wise. So Kenny Pickett, another year of development. Uh, Pittsburgh adding to that offense a little bit more too, making them more dynamic. I think Having two picks in the top 32, unlike yeah. the Browns. As of right now, Cleveland is the worst team in the AFC North. Browns fans are going to love that. That's the truth. Brandon, you're on mute. Truth hurts. And remember, this is me saying this, assuming Lamar Jackson is playing quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens next year. Yeah. Pretty big note. I appreciate you yelling at me, Justin. Um, no, one thing we do need to hit on, though, is um, the big news of Denver Broncos possibly coming out and making some even more splash news. There's a chance that we could be having an offensive genius, offensive genius, Sean Payton. We already know he's on the other side, but there's a chance that we could have a defensive guru in the one and only Rex Ryan coming That's to be the defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos this upcoming season and for years to come. Now, I will say, if they make that move and they get Rex Ryan, that's a big, big... I love that. I love that move. Now, it's... it's so Denver weird. Broncos are... The, sorry, John. The Denver Broncos are, look, are showing that they are going to spend this money. They are coming, and they are like, nah, you know what? Last season was terrible. We have been down the dump since Peyton left. We're spending the money because you know, you remember uh, paying your coaches, that money does not affect your, your salary cap. So they can, and these guys are billionaires upon billionaires. They can pay out the wazoo. So they can, they can pay Sean Payton that $20 million a year. They can also pay Rex Ryan 15 to 20 as, as well. Uh, it wouldn't even bat an eye. So bringing Rex in, to coach that defense, which is definitely top 10, arguably top five. Here we go, baby. And and now he's got this, his, his, certain is not Revis, but he's got that shut down number one corner. Oh, he's, he's getting All right. Getting Look the hell out, man. If they, those two together, Sean Payton and Rex Ryan, <sighs> Russell Wilson, pressure is on you, my friend. And Vance Joseph. Also interviewed for the Broncos defensive coordinator job. Was at the facility for eight hours. Two guys that run a, a three-four. Yeah. And the decision should come maybe today. On that's Sunday. not a big. That that's not as big of a move to me. They need to if they want to change life, you gotta go get Rex Ryan. But here's the thing, Brent. Rex Ryan hasn't coached in seven years. No, he's disrespecting Rex. And so you a think lot. Rex Ryan just forgot how to freaking coach. The league changes every couple. Oh, of years. you don't think he studies film? And when you exit from coaching and then go back in sometimes you can be behind the curve when you're not in the weeds of it day he in is, and day out he when is. you're in tv you don't have to prepare as heavily the way you will on a regular season for a matchup every single given sunday so while rex ryan in the past did a great job in baltimore and a phenomenal job in new york as their head coach i don't want to look at this with rose-colored glasses because ryan unlike many younger defensive coordinators, has not been in the thick of it at ground zero in a year, in a timer, the NFL has changed a lot, Brandon, since 2016. And I mean a lot. 
Yeah. So he it's went up against elite quarterbacks and made them look like mid-tier guys. A decade ago. Doesn't matter. You give them the players, you give them the players, Rex Ryan's scheme will work. 100%. I don't, Rex Ryan's scheme is not good. This guy's a defensive guru. He was coming up with schemes to shut a Peyton down, to shut a Tom down, Breeze, Phillip Rivers, all these guys, Favre. He's not going to lose it, John. I understand maybe he's not in the thick of thick of things, but he's in TV. And if you think Rex Ryan's not out here studying film or keeping up with conversations in the league, understanding what's going on, then then your mind is completely in another universe because he 100 percent is. All right, he. If you just listen to him on on the shows on ESPN, you would be like, "Oh yeah, Rex Ryan can definitely step in and make a difference on a defense." So, uh, what you disagree, Justin? No, I was gonna say his hands are gonna be full if he's going into the AFC West. You deal with guys like Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, and Waller in, in Vegas, and then you got Patrick Mahomes and Justin yeah. Herbert on the other side. Guess what? Uh, he's been in a division with a giant, and he said, "I ain't kissing no rings." One, one giant. There's only one giant in there. I'm saying he's he's dealt considering. All right, I, I respect. In terms Rex of success, Ryan, in terms I, of I, success, I there's only Rex one Ryan giant left. I respect him a ton, but remember the AFC East back in those days, uh, ain't nobody scaring you up in Buffalo. Nobody. I'm not saying that. I mean, nobody was scaring you in Buffalo. Nobody was scaring you in Miami. Yeah, you had to deal with the big bad wolf in New England. Yeah, and yeah, that was it. Now he's walking into an AFC West where he went to two back-to-back AFC Championship games. Believe beating... me, I'm not, I'm not diminishing uh, what Rex Ryan is. I, I'm not at all. But I'm saying, do yeah. I believe can he still be a coach? Absolutely, sure. I don't think uh, seven years he goes from being a head coach and in, in a, in a DC back in the day that he can't get the job done. He absolutely can. But I'm just saying it's going to be no no walk in the park coaching. And going up against those offenses, nothing's going to be a nothing's going to be a walk in the park. But I do believe Rex Ryan can be a kryptonite to Patrick Mahomes. I think he can dial up a scheme to slow Mahomes down and make Mahomes look a little bit less than what he's looked like in prior games. He's undefeated against the Broncos, if I'm not mistaken, in his career. That will change if Rex Ryan's and Sean Payton are the oh, yeah. uh, Patrick Mahomes is a clean. 10 and 0 first time. Yep. Wow. I mean, they were close. They had close game. Both games against the Chiefs last year were close. Yeah. And you had Sean Payton, you had Rex Ryan. Come on, man. Yeah, that, that, makes, the, that makes that team immensely well. better. Mm-hmm. It is unfortunate they're losing Ajero Averro, um, who was grateful in last season. Now, we're going to shift gears a little bit to the NBA. We're playing basketball. You know, like so, Justin not in I remember playing 2K and that's how it started. Yeah. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. You remember Like Mike? Yes. Yeah, it was a great movie. We made a video on episode, by the way, it's Algero Evero, not Everero, John. Thank you, John. We made a video on episode number 275 talking about the issue in the NBA, that being the season is too long. And a lot of different people took that and ran with the idea. Michael Jordan was a star that played all 82 games in his prime. So did Magic Johnson. I mean, Jordan played in eight of his 13 seasons in a single game. Larry Bird, up until he was 31 years old, all of those stars in the past, Wilt, Hakeem, they played 
almost every single game. Now today, there's this thing called load management, and over seven percent of the or over six percent of the league currently is injured in All Star break. It's a weird thing where, in spite of all of the advancements we have made over the last twenty five years in travel, health training, nutrition, and then strength and conditioning, that players are more injured than ever, and it prompts the question. Why exactly? Now, I actually made a YouTube video about it today. And if you guys want, we could react to it, but I can give you the basic rundown here. There was actually an article three years ago released on ESPN by Baxter Holmes that I think a lot of people looked, like to ignore because especially with older generations of NBA and sports fans that maybe don't like the millennial class per se, like to bash them, call them lazy, call them entitled, they like to do that a lot, right? And I think it's, I think it's selfish, not selfish. I think it's lazy. I think it's, you know, immature. The reality is athletes 20, 25, 30 years ago grew up playing multiple different sports because the NBA was not as appealing to play in as it is today. Because of how special and distinct the league is and all the perks, all the benefits that come making it to the league, most kids growing up that are really good at basketball play basketball all year round. And kids that maybe are zero or one-star athletes, they push themselves every single weekend from the age of maybe 10 years old to 17, 18, to play in every single AAU tournament. Now, I wasn't a great hooper, but I did play AAU myself. And even I, I go through tournaments where I would play three or four games in two days. And keep in mind, I was an average high school player. Imagine what a prospect like Jonathan Kaminga or Shane Sharp get their five-star recruits, soon to be top 10 picks, how much they were playing with AAU teams that were traveling nonstop. Maybe not only is getting shorter flights, they're driving three or four hours to games the age of 16 years old, 17, 18, before they even get to college, they have played, in many cases, in nine years, as many NBA games, as many games as you would play in a nine-year NBA career, because you're playing all year round, about 25 games a season, with no breaks. So now these players come into the league at 17 to 19 years old, oftentimes, as one-and-dones, when their bodies are fully maturing, get to the age of 27 years old, 28, 8, 9 years into the NBA, and they start to break down more and more. And I want to get your guys' take on it. Justin, it's not just basketball. We see all sometimes in baseball, too. I want to know, as a huge MLB fan, do you notice a trend nowadays, maybe with players, pitchers specifically, having to undergo Tommy John surgery, maybe more, or is that maybe something more so in the past for the MLB? I think I talk about this not just as a MLB fan, but also as a, as a head coach myself that a lot of players now and even myself growing up i only played baseball i didn't i played football and basketball on the street but i never committed myself to actually you know perfecting a craft or playing competitively in those sports playing all those sports benefits you and, and it makes you such a well-rounded athlete that where if i was playing you know basketball if i took a little break from baseball i'm taking a lot of a lot of pressure off of my uci i used to pitch so i i've gone through uh scares of Tommy John. Fortunately, I've never had to to go through the surgery. But you see it a lot in young athletes where you mentioned, you know, they play basically a whole NBA season when it comes to all these AAU games that they play. And the same thing can be said for baseball. Baseball season kicks off in April. While Little League ends in June, guess what's kicking off? Travel ball. Travel ball is from June all the way. And it keeps on going. I know kids that were playing from April to October. Guess what? That's how long the big leaguers play till. So a lot, a lot of it is uh, there's pressure there's that, that kids have. You know, people want to 
reach the top so bad. So especially in baseball, when it comes to pitchers, you're not getting anywhere if you're not throwing gas. You know, you got to throw hard. Uh, back in the day when I was younger, you could see uh, pitchers throwing 90, 91, 92, and, and that was enough to get you by. Now, 90 miles per hour to, to some to some pitchers is is nothing. They don't feel proud about it. You know, you got to pump 98, 99. And, and with all of that, you're putting so much tension on your arm. You're, uh, it's, it's very taxing on the elbow. Um, so, yeah, I, I think overuse is a real thing. But more so kids just not taking a break. They take a break from your sport for a while. Do something different. Play some football. Play some baseball. Play some basketball. Get a mix of all of that. Because when you commit yourself solely to one sport over and over again, it, your body... Your body, it takes a toll on your body, no matter how old you are. You just, you won't feel the effects of it when you're 14, 15. But by the time you hit even 18, 19, 20, uh, you'll feel those effects. Yeah, man. I mean, you look at some of the best athletes in sports. I look at Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter played basketball. Aaron Judge was a basketball player and a football player. Michael Jordan played baseball. Deion Sanders, damn, he was playing in the MLB, played in the World Series. You know, Bo Jackson was a, a superstar athlete. And, you know, it just makes you so much more well-rounded. And while guys like Bo Jackson, you know, dealt with a ton of injuries, guys like MJ, guys like Deion Sanders, who are just so, so limber, can do, can do everything. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it just, it's definitely helpful opening yourself up to so many different sports. It's just, it's so much better for your body. Yeah, so this is a, an interesting topic. So the side of the coin that I come from is I can look at the old heads and respect what um, they did in the 90s and the 80s and, and prior to that too. And even in the 2000s, I can respect all that 82 games and, and I can commend them for that. I, I, I Listen, we're all speculating here in terms of why these injuries are starting to happen now. Um, we can make a good... A, you know, like you guys have, you can make a good case for it's all the games that the kids are playing even early on into 10, 11, 12. Um, but we don't know for sure. And you would, you would, you would honestly think if somebody would have told you that, that you wouldn't believe it. You would think it'd be the opposite that with all the, you know, advancements in technology, science, uh, equipment and, and everything in terms of just all sports you would think that that wouldn't be the case but we don't know um listen i'm cool with load management i'm a big Kawhi leonard fan i get it i mean why the hell am i gonna play 82 games what what, what does it do i get a badge do i get a cookie for playing 82 games no i get a nod of respect for some from some fans and media members Nah, I'm all right. I'll take my days off because why, why, why subject my body to that type of damage? So, let me play. Sorry, let me ahead, play no. every regular season game at the expense of being available in the playoffs. Yeah. So again, I, I can look at both sides of the coin, and I can say, you know, respect old heads, but also this, let's all look at it objectively. Nobody's disrespecting old heads. We're just saying. Dude, the game would be better if it was shorter. It would. The product would be better. Yeah. Yes, you can you make an argument, oh, they just take even more games off. They'd miss more games. There's a chance because injuries is a part of the sport. 
But if you want to do the best, if you're all for player health and player safety, then at the end of the day, that does not equal playing 82 games. It equals shortening shortening the season. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Your ratings will probably be better because your superstar players are playing more. People actually care earlier into the season. Instead of like a fan like me who loves NBA, I don't really start caring about it until after the Super Bowl. Mm. And there's only, what, 25, 28 games left in the season then. And even then, they're, they're still down the stretch. Some of the superstar and star players aren't even playing those games. Nope. It's ridiculous. So I don't know how an NBA fan, you can sit there and just say, you know, oh, but the old head did it. Oh, you guys are just all the... Blah, blah. We respect that. We love that. But also we can say, wouldn't it be better if MJ only had to play 60 games? He didn't have to tear... Maybe he plays those extra years. It doesn't take those two retirements. You would, you would want to cut the season down by 22 games? Oh, yeah. I would m much rather – I mean, dude, I would make a case for even lesser games, but they wouldn't do that. So 60 is a, is a perfect spot. I know they'd probably go for 70. They're probably going to meet in the middle at like 70, but I, I would shorten the season. I don't know why – why do you need that many games? Even in baseball, Justin, why do you want 100 and however many games? Why do you want that? That is how ridiculous. Games, Justin, how many games outside of Yankee Stadium are empty ballparks? PNC Park's beautiful. In, in summary, I can go front row and center field for 12 bucks. It, yeah, it's so, it's just nobody can't, like, dude, too much of anything is not good. All right. Wa too much water can kill you. You can get water poisoning. All right. Doing the devil's tango at nighttime, too much, not a good thing. All right. You need to take some breaks. So, having sport like a UFC fan, a, dub a wrestling fan, I once watched WrestleMania 34, I believe it was. It was an eight hour long show i love wrestling it's 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 my first love as a child i don't want to watch it for eight straight hours what case i'm trying to make is too much of anything is not always a good thing Absolutely. quality over quantity yeah. so this this whole thing about M mlb why do you think the nfl is so prestigious there's set i don't even like the 17th game Major reason is just because I hate the number changes. Now you're making my brain work even harder. Now I got 13 and I four and all that. Like, just God damn it. I've known it for my entire life, 16 games. And now you can't even go eight and eight anymore. It's ridiculous. Uh, but I just don't like the 17 game because did that 17th game really mean anything to you guys? Like, no. was it? It wasn't. But it, you it's just like the NFL because. It's a shorter season. You have Every game basically means something. And rivalry. And ro what, what were you going to say? Rivalry. There is no rivalry in basketball. There was oh, the rivalry, 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 rivalry. Okay, you're so. Why are you saying it like that? Rivalry, <laughs> rivalry, rivalry. There you go. Thank you. You're saying like rivalry, rivalry. Yeah, rivalry, rivalry. Rivalry is what got me in basketball. I think for a lot of NBA fans that look at it today, there is none because the season's too long. There's nothing interesting. Yeah. So. There actually was a study, Brandon, a couple in this article called These Kids Are Taking Time Bombs, where in the series of studies in 2018 and 2016, a couple of researchers from the University of Wisconsin noticed that 36% of high school athletes that classify in a specialized sport are, listen to this, two to three times more likely to suffer a hip or knee injury. No. So while the upsides of specialization in sports are unclear because they can run your body down and then maybe you break down before you even get to the college level, it's pretty clear the downsides of injury are a lot more likely. As you said, you know, too much water can kill you. Yeah. Sports is about recovery. 
That's how you get better. It's how you get gains in the gym. It's how you get better as an athlete. John, I, I hate to bring it up, and people have been saying uh, on our Brady clips online, oh, this guy must love Brady. What are you, dating Brady or something? Listen, I, I, I hate to bring it up again, but the TB12 method, pliability. Do you understand how much Pilates, stretching, yoga does for the body? My mom's a Pilates instructor. Mm -hmm. She's trained with Romana, who trained with Joseph Pilates, the creator of Pilates, okay? It, it's incredible for your body. It's great for your body. So I think even kids down then, down in the uh, middle school, high school, you should be getting massages. You should be stretching. You should be doing yoga or Pilates. Pliability is everything. It's very good for your body. It'll change your life. Uh, mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, there's a couple of people, knees over toes guy, where the stretches they do are so unorthodox, but they clearly work to alleviate pain. Yes. And I said all of that before about these NBA players because you want the best product on the floor. And I had this whole thing about why for players say it's physically impossible to play all 82 games. And, you know, we make the references to the past. Michael played three sports. Duncan did not start playing basketball until 15. Kobe played soccer growing up. And even then, Kobe grew up in Italy from 6 to 14. Mm -hmm. They didn't have AAU over there. And as Kobe said in this interview with Baxter Holmes, we played one game maybe a week but usually one game or two weeks in Italy. So when you compare Kobe comes to the league in 19 or 17 to NBA's players today at 19, the level of mileage is kind of like this. And so it's not surprising that these guys are dealing with more lower body injuries. And you look at stars, almost every single team is missing one of their top two players for a good portion of the season. Almost every single one. Mm -hmm. And I made this reference to the Pelicans, Justin, how for Zion, the season is too long for him. But if you give him an extra day of rest, you play once every three days, opposed to once every two. That one extra day, when you multiply that over a five-month span, makes a meaningful, a massive difference in their long-term durability. But the issue here, the, read, the weed work that I was wrong about is that, look, the NBA can ensure in the season, that's not going to fix the problem. It's going to be youth sports and basically, you know, minimizing, you know, this constant play and really propelling uh, more and more recovery. That's a lot easier said than done because a lot of these parents want to see their kids get college educations. And you can't tell them, no, your son only has to play five days a week because for a lot of these players, every single AAU tournament, every single baseball training session is an opportunity to get a free college education. And maybe for those that actually have the, the potential to make it to the professional level, it's the opportunity to live out your dream. Yeah, John, I, I do. One thing I will say is I don't even think it's really about playing two sports. I think it's mostly about, listen, you could pick your sport. It's all about the recovery, though, afterwards. And I don't think parents, I don't think coaches, and I don't think players, kids, teenagers, really care about the recovery as much as they should. It's not so much care. I, I also believe they don't, they don't acknowledge it. Yeah, they don't understand. Or yeah, some which, is, which is the thing. I mean, if you watch the Redeem Team documentary that came out last year, um, LeBron James – didn't take really, you know, start taking excellent care of his body until that year when he saw Kobe getting up at what 3 a.m. in the morning. You can, he said it himself. Carmelo Anthony was like, hey, all right, I ain't getting up that early. And you saw how Carmelo started to deteriorate down the line. You, it, so, for in his case, he didn't actually care. He knew, but he didn't care. Um, but I get what you're saying, Justin. It's just more information about that. Like, so much is focused on honing your craft and becoming the best you can be. But a part of that is the recovery process before and after and during, you know, taking your breaks in between reps and certain things like that. 
taking that valuable rest period where you get your heartbeat down, you lower it down a little bit, you get a little breath in. It's major for being able to consistently do it to even because to, to, um, uh, affect your, uh, cardio and your, your stamina point that that's tremendous for that, that stuff. So, yeah, I, I just, I think it's instead of two sports, I mean, one thing that's great instead, if you're a basketball player, instead of, you know, always running or taking up track and field, take up swimming much less awesome. effect on your knees, much less heartache on your knees. And it's so much, and your stamina will get incredibly better. Your breathing yep. will get better. Like think of sports that are kind of the opposite where you don't have to work those certain body parts out so much. You know what yep. I mean? I think of boxing because boxing, basketball jump roping yep. is high interval training. With boxing, it is so much about stamina and core strength. And basketball is so much about stamina and core strength while you're definitely targeting different muscles and different mm -hmm. groups the reality is basketball is a sport that's, that's so heavy in your legs that being able to to build that compared that i guess it's the, the stamina that that building up over time markel fultz is a player that boxes and that's really helped him be one of the best athletes in the game and there's not and it helps up boxes. here too it helps right. up here it helps your reaction time your processing everything that's a Brilliant point, Brian, because mm -hmm. Mar Markel Fultz is one of the smartest guards at reading defenses. John, I, I, I don't want to but there's a boxer out there. His name uh, is uh, Lomachenko Vasil, I think his first name, and he's a phenomenal boxer, one of the lighter weights. His dad, I believe, made him do ballet when he was a kid. And this kid, this guy's footwork is unbelievable. Movement. It, so you would think, like, this boxer's doing ballet. That's a joke. No, it's... It, your your ability to control your whole body, your hips, your legs, your footwork, yeah. everything. It you'd be surprised how how much if you just expo expanded your mind to like, all right, you know, I want to play a physical sport. Now maybe you know, go take a dance class, go box, yeah, go do jujitsu, go like do that. wrestling, yeah. yeah, something like that. Absolutely. Like you know, work out other things, even work out your mind or whatever. It's just you know different things you got to think about. It sounds counterintuitive until you realize that someone that's elite yeah. does that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, I, I think youth sports uh, in general has this toxic situation they go through where, uh, you know, parents try to push their children and expect them all to be major league level, NBA level, NFL level talent right away. That's that's unrealistic. But mm -hmm. there, there's ways that we can get our kids and get youth sports and that, like you said, that teach them about recovery a little bit better. I'm still I'm still learning things about fitness and like now i've heard how just applying an ice pack to injuries aren't necessarily good for you i remember as a kid anything that bad happened we just threw ice on it mm -hmm. the older i get the more i learn about the importance of mobility and get blood flowing to the area um you know like you said knees over toes mm -hmm. uh, i remember when i first started working out it was like you don't want to do that you're going to mess up your knees actually uh, i'm helping myself by doing that you know, there's certain things that you can learn. Just do a little bit of research. And I push all parents to really delve deeper into that. I love what you said, Brandon, when you threw out swimming, man. That actually just got me giddy. You got me excited hearing that. That's pretty good. So I guess that wraps up everything that we need to cover today. So is there anything else we'd like to cover, guys? I think that's pretty much it. That's it. Do you guys know the last 10 NBA three-point champs? The last is it there? Ah, uh, yeah. Can we can, oh, yeah. Uh, can we name them? You can. 
All right, Brandon. You and I are a team here. Steph, can you go? Uh, can you guys name the last ten three-point champs? And there's a lot of different names, so you don't have to do one in order. Steph, 2021. Clay. Clay. 2016. I, I, JJ I, Redick. JJ Redick. Never won. I want to. I want to say Trey Young. No. He didn't come. I'll give you a hint. Kyle Korver. We're looking at the last 10, so... Buddy no. Heald? Buddy Heald, 2020? All right, we got three. Okay. Dame. Dame. 2023? Three, four. Great three-point shooters, Justin. Just... When's the greatest three-point shooting big ever? Some jersey? The greatest. Can you us a 27-year-old center? First overall pick? Why am I? Greatest three-point big man? Come on. It's not dark. Um, he won I'm it last drawing, year. I'm drawing a blank on he it. Won, he won it last year? Yeah. Justin, I feel like you should get this one. Yeah, I know. I'm going to be disappointed. You said Jersey. Uh... You will play. I don't know. Let me give you the, the team. I guess <laughs> so, team? man. This is bad. No, no I'll give the team. But I'll leave it here until you get it. <laughs> well, we still got six more to go. Um, name, yeah. Well, name name some great shooting centers. And you'll get it. It's not you. Yeah, but now you, we narrowed it down. So now I'm thinking Jersey. I'm not just thinking big men. Uh, I mean, KD never competed in it. Oh, he, J- KD's also not from Jersey. Well, no, I'm thinking of the other five that we can name, though, too. Yeah, six. But yeah, that's true. But yeah, not counting the Jersey kids. Where's someone like that? Great three point shooters, Justin. Just name great three point shooters, man. I'm, I'm, I'm he, he's got me fixated on. Nah, forget game. the big one. We'll get that later. Just name Bradley Beal. No, this guy's seven feet. No, other guys. Did yeah, Bradley no. Beal win it? What oh. team does he play for? Oh, I can't give you that. He's a first overall pick. Come on. He's a 27-year-old former first overall pick. That's first a great three-point shooter. Come Think about age. what age prospects usually are when they come into the draft. Is, is it Cat? Yes. It's Cat. Cat. Okay. 22. Yeah, five. Jeez. You're missing 2019, 2018, 2017, and 2015. Donovan Mitchell never won. Oh, wait, no. Steph, you got Steph because he won it twice. He won in 2015. Ah, yeah. So you got four more. Did, 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 um. Dame hasn't won it twice? Nope. Did did Mitchell win it, Donovan? Nope. He's competed, though. Booker? Yep. 2018. Okay. We got three more. 2019, 2017, and 2014. Oh, there's going to be people that probably aren't even in the league. How many of them? How many of the ones we got left? We got three left, right? How many of those are not in the league anymore? So one's Italian. He's out of the league. Oh, Marco Bellinelli. Bellinelli. Hey! All right, 2014. Marco won in New Orleans. Now we're down to 28. No, sorry, 2019 and 2017. Both players are still in the league. One is a 29-year-old from the state of Washington, and the other is a 20. Uh, a 34-year-old from the state of Indiana, 2017 winner. 34-year-old? Yep. 
Is Tobias Harris? Is Tobias? No, he's not. He's not old head. Come on. My bad. Yeah. Mike Conley? No, but he's from the same. That's a great guess, Mike Conley. Oh, Chris Middleton? No. Nah, he's not that old. Then we're gonna be, 2019 we're gonna, winner is 29. We're going to be here a while. 2019 winners for my favorite team. Tim Hardaway? He's actually 31. No, not Tim Hardaway. This guy's 31 from the state of Washington. Drafted by the Cavaliers out of Virginia. No, not Drafted by the Cavaliers. Yep. 31 uh, years old. He plays in my team, Justin. John, that's a ta- terrible thing because I don't even know who your team is. You got like 40 different teams. Yeah. <sighs> 2017 winners on one of Rand's teams. That means he's a, he's a net. Duncan Robinson? No. Oh. No. It's not Patty Mills. On Brandon's team, Miami. What? This guy's literally led the league in three point percentage, Justin, on two different occasions. Had to get his ankle reconstructed. Yeah, Ola Depot? No. Uh-oh. This guy, no guy on my team that's choked won. in the playoffs, but he's, you know, he's playing the same team since 2018, 2017. I'm throwing in the flag. Yeah, man, this is this is rough. These are two of the best shooters of all time. Of <sighs> all time? Yes. Of all Ray time. Allen? No, 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 no. Two of the best shooters of all time. We said. Yeah. Well, them not even be top five. <laughs> They're not even top five greatest three-point shooter. One is statistically a 44% shooter for his career, and the other is one of the best volume shooters of all time. Steve Kerr. No. Buddy. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, guy? The Danny Green. Danny Green. No, the 2017 winner plays. He actually got traded in the Danny Green. Damn trade. it! <laughs> he got traded to, like three weeks ago within the Danny Green trade. That's a good guess, though, ago. Justin. Danny Green's a good that guess. Is... The Clippers. The other guys in the Nets. Clippers. Other guys on the Nets. Yes. Yes. His name, good shooters in the Nets. Why are you waiting? Like, you don't lose any points. Oh, like, oh, white boy, Joe Harris. No. Yes, that's one. Oh, okay. Been hitched crap when he played in Cleveland. Uh, that's why I made that note before. Who's the other one? 2017. Say the Clipper? You said he's one of the greatest three point shooters of all time. It's a slight stretch, you know? It's not a slight so, stretch. So don't say that. Stretch. Don't say that. <laughs> over, over the Jordan last. Powell? No, but he's actually teamed up with Powell. He's on the Clippers, though. Yeah. Paul George? We're that line. Paul George? Yes. Nope. I've gotten like maybe six of these, Justin, so I've been carrying this team. Justin, you've been getting carried pretty badly. You need to freaking help me. I said Marco Bellinelli. Oh, congrats. That's that's the only one you got, I think. No, I said Dame. Oh, wow. Congratulations. You got Damian Lillard. I mean, I I said Clay, too. Another one. (laughs) Yes. All right. Eric Gordon's last name. I can't do this. Anymore. I was actually I can't about do to it. say Eric Gordon. No, no, you are. Don't, don't lie to yourself. About to say it, I can't do this. I don't believe you. Oh. That, was, that was five minutes of fucking game. <laughs> hey, I carried it to you. I don't care what nobody said. No, we, we watched. I think I got more than. No, you didn't. Yo, yo bro, hit me with more. one. Hit me, if you don't mind, can you hit me with one? Like, me done contest last 
seven and look it up. All right. Well, I'll make it more interesting because you want to be an asshole. Let's go. Um, dunk contest champions between 05 and 15. Okay. Let me first. I got to pull up the list for myself. Mm-hmm. Probably. I've got names, but you know. Probably. No. We're going. Remember, we're going way back, two thousand five. Yeah. Ooh, what a name to pop Kobe. up. All right, stop. All right, Obi, no, uh, or no, no Kobe. So starting off, Nate Robinson. Am I competing? Right, it's not in order, so yeah. Nate uh, Robinson. Am I competing with you? If you want to. Blake Griffin. <sighs> okay, come on, that's an easy one. Well, Nate Robinson. Uh, we're trying to get the easy one. Kenyon Martin. Nate Robinson won three times. I'll give you three. You guys are already there. You got three. Got five. We're halfway there. You're four. You said Blake. Yeah, and he just said Kenyon. Kenyon um, Martin. Did he do it? Kenyon Martin. No. Dwight Howard. Dwight five. Yes. Oh, there's some names you're never gonna guess. I really? I know. Yeah. Derek Rose. No. Westbrook never did it. Oh, Gerald Green. Gerald Green is six. Ah, I'm a freaking there god. There was the Celtics back in 07. This person played for the Celtics or Gerald Green did? No, Gerald Green. Okay. Do you want a hint? Should I give hints? If you give me one, because I'm just trying to think of names and they're not coming to my mind. Man. I'm carrying John now, too. I don't even know if I want to give you hints. I gave you many and you still couldn't get Joe Harris. Through with Joe Harris. All right. Um, I'll give you – okay. Yeah, this guy, because I don't yeah. think you guys are going to get his name. Let's see. I'll be surprised if you do. Lefty. Lefty played for the – no, I'm not going to give you the team. Played way back with uh, Joe Johnson. Oh, oh, Josh Smith. That's easy. Come sure. on. Damn, that's too, too good of a hint. Yeah. That Josh was too Smith. easy. Shout out, Josh Smith. Oh. Oh five. What was I'm forgetting his nickname, Josh Smith. Oh, Jay Smooth. That was his nickname. He was nice. He was. One of the best non all stars of all time. So you guys have Josh Smith, you have Nate Robinson, Gerald Green, Dwight Howard, Blake Griffin. That's it. I've got four points so far. I think Brandon's got three between Gerald, Blake, and Dwight. Oh, is Blake have two? Or sorry, does Dwight have two? Dwight has one. Okay, so forty three. Yeah, Josh Smith one was good. I'm losing now. My mind's going blank. Yeah, to give us a couple of hints here. I'm just, I'm not, names not coming to mind. We got three left or two left? Uh, we got three. No, we have. Yeah, we got seven points between us. We got three left. Dwayne Wade never won it. Never participated. I don't think he ever. This one, this guy is still in the league. Star player. Uh, I'd say a very good scorer. Paul George. Jimmy Butler? No. Giannis? No. Doesn't play for a team that's contending. Did Vince Carter win it? Or he was earlier? Earlier. Yeah, I don't think Vince is down the league, Brian. I was thinking of the other guys, but... I didn't think in the beginning. I then I named Kenyon. Uh... Still in the league? Iguodala? Nope. 
I'm taking Igwe. Um, Mason Plumley. No. I think you participated with that. J.R. Smith. Yeah, I said he is a star. Dude, is, is he one of the other how guys? How do I not know this guy? No. So the other guys, okay. Yeah, three left. I'll give you a hint for each of them. Like I said, star player, elite scorer, plays for a team that doesn't contend. Okay. The other one, also, a pretty, I'd say a fairly good scorer, won this. I'm not going to tell you the team that he actually won the dunk contest with, but he used to play for the Orlando Magic. Not too long ago. And then the third deep, one. Though. What happened? Victor Aldipo. No. And Terrence then Ross? Terrence Ross is one. Oh. He won know? his with the Raptors. I know, John. You have two. Okay. Oh, wait. No, you have two left. Three more. Two. What? I didn't hear a specific name. Nate Robinson won three times. So yeah. Man, Terrence Ross, I actually got. I was thinking of Raptors, too. Okay, so, like I said, come on, zero in on this elite scorer. Non-contending team. Non-contending team. He's old as hell right now. Uh, Still a young guy. Still a young guy. He won in 2014 and 2015. Trade bait. Trade bait. I'm thinking, all right, let's go through. Mavericks, it's not, not on that team. Rockets, no. Spurs, no. Grizzlies, no. No, it's a non-contending team. John. They might yeah, be a Pelicans. Team so I'm below. going through every team, every division. Eastern Conference. No, Eastern Conference. Okay. Oh, he's Eastern. Hornets. Derek Jones. How's Junior. He came in 2016. A, a elite scorer. Well, you know what? Listen, I can guess the other guys too, John. Justin. Oh, Hawks. No. Heat. No. Magic. Wizards or the Zards. Okay, so he's in the Central Division. Mm. He's in the Central Division. Wizards? Oh, there's, there's another name on our dunk list. That... John Wall. John Wall. John Wally? Dunk contest. Was he the star you're talking about? No. Okay, good. You just you just ran into him. So, this guy's in the Central Division, Justin. There's Justin. Over what team? Here. The Bucks? No. The Pacers, no. The Bulls. <sighs> yeah, I'm thinking of players today. No. Zach Levine. Zach Levine. Tied up, John. I didn't get that. Tied up. I, for some reason, I feel like Zach Levine came to the league in 2016. One left. You have one left. The guy is no longer in the league. This is what makes it tough. Uh, I can't really see you guys getting this. For his career, he averaged 10 minutes a game, 3.5 points. Oh. It's a big man. Small forward, power forward. Like I said, not in the league. Nene? Played at Western Kentucky. Nene? He went to Western Kentucky? Yeah. I think it's where Mitchell Robinson went. Jason Richardson didn't win it in that 10-year stretch. Interesting. This is a guy I don't anticipate any of you guys getting. Ah, really Can you listen to the team he played on? He I'm won the dunk contest as a Utah Jazz. What year is this? 
I believe this is uh, 2012. 2012. It was only a second year in the league. Utah Jazz. White or black? Black. Okay. Well, you know, you got to get something out there, man. Uh, so they drafted Gordon Hare in 2010. Jordan Hayward, what? That was 09, actually. This guy was not getting impact minutes. Yeah, he was not good. I don't think we're going to get it, John. Uh, Benny, you drove? You're not going to get it. I'm throwing the white flag in. John? Oh, God. If you get this, John, you win. But if you don't, we're tied. I can't tie Brandon D. I can't. Guess what? (laughs) Basketball knowledge is equal then. How you doing? Actually, mine's more impressive because you got Nate Robinson, who was three time. I had more. Yeah, I just kind of think of anybody else after Nate. Game. Justin, did he play in any other teams? <laughs> yes, he did. Thank you. He spent a year in Dallas and a year in Atlanta. Both in which, like I said, he was no impact player. I know this player. You might not be looking up, John, you cheater. The last time we saw him was in the 2017-2018 NBA season. Yeah, I'm not getting this. White flag. He played one game with Atlanta. Give us the name, Justin. Dude, that's it? You're done? Taking the tie? Jeremy Evans. Yeah. <laughs> you tied with Brandon, Just John. How are you feeling? Who's got the knowledge now? Embarrassed. In your own sport. I was never going to get Jeremy. I told you that. The issue is that I was thinking of players today, not players in 2014 and 2010. Oh, we could have kept going. But no, let's not keep going. We're going to be yeah. here for much longer. With all that being said, it's going to wrap up episode number 77 of the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm going to go cry and go take a nap because I'm embarrassed in my end. And as always, we'll see you next time. Peace. Don't cry. How do you think I feel? Stay classy. Embarrassed. You should be embarrassed. <laughs>